Thanks, Ariel. Uh, it's good to uh, learn with you guys. Uh, this is a good kind of mechaev uh, because uh, the last two weeks, as we two and a half weeks, as we shifted our whole school onto online learning. Uh, so I was kind of in overdrive, and then uh, starting this week, we kind of uh, you know there's still shul things, but but school all of a sudden is more quiet, and I'm like this massive gap and void has opened up in my life. So uh, when I heard that you guys are learning Rav Tzadik, I said, what an awesome way to get myself to go jump back into Rav Tzadik and to hopefully learn something together with you. Um, I think we're going to be learning Piska Chaf or Seif Chaf, uh, however you want to call it, chapter 20 in Tzikas HaTzadik, which was uh, Rav Tzadok's, um, was, was Rav Tzadok's, I guess, magnum opus, his most important work. And, um, and what's uh, interesting is that uh, by hearing that you guys are going Keseder, that's uh, usually uh, not the way that people learn Sitka uh, People like to dabble, myself included, and you want to go ahead and find the really uh, exciting and um, the, uh, the more daring Divrei Torah that one expects to see from the House of Ishbitz and uh, from Ritzadok, the theological jumps and uh, the, the interesting areas that they go into. Rav Tzadok did not intend Tzivka Satzadik to be a work like that. Rav Tzadok was intending for this to be a commentary on Masechus Brachos. Um, and uh, really from, uh, from the very beginning, until you start to hit the mems, uh, and then, especially later, I was just talking to Ariel about this, so it's really just a parish uh, in Rav Tzadok's own unique way and applying his own unique Torah to it. Uh, remember that what brought Rav Tzadok to Ishbitz in the first place, um, amongst other things, but one of the one of the most important transformative moments for Rav Tzadok was when he heard the Ishbitz or the Meshilach giving a shir uh, on Gemara. Uh, so that's what uh, brought Rav Tzadok, who's an erstwhile Litvak, uh, brought him to uh, Hasidus and to Ishbitz of all uh, of all things. So this is really a commentary, Piska Chav, is a commentary on Meseches Brachos, on Dav Gimel. It's one of the first Agadetas there. And uh, it's fascinating material because we find a deep fascination and a deep focus by Rav Tzadok with, uh, with what it means to, uh, to be a Jew at night. Um, I think of um, a friend of mine, I guess I could call him a friend, Rav Nir who was uh, Talmud of Rav Shagar. Uh, he's the Orech of the Musaf Shabbat. So uh, Rav Nir and I were uh, talking recently. We were talking about our whole situation. Of course, he had written like five pages of deep, profound commentary on what we're all going through. Um, and uh, Rav Nir has a book about uh, Rabbi Nachman's stories and dreams. And the name of the book is called Hayudi Balayla. There is something uh, that is... Uh, that, that that I think extends around all of Jewish thought. Uh, what does it mean to be a Jew at night? Uh, not just the uh, physical night, but metaphysical night. Um, the fact that uh, almost every uh, young, uh, young kid or young Jewish person is starting out to learn. So, you know, the, one of the Torahs that becomes sort of imprinted on them is Vemunas Chabalelos, is that we should, have, uh, we should have trust and we should have Vemunah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even in the night times. That nighttime is uh, Kinoi, uh, Shem Nirdaf in a spiritual sense nighttime uh, nighttime signifies suffolk nighttime signifies doubts uh, uh, not being able to see hashkacha of a Baruch Hu, not being able to see the hand of God present in our lives and also nighttime indicates uh, an awareness of all the things that are missing a keen understanding of what's gone because uh, Lila first and foremost is a header Lila first and foremost is an absence of light an absence of the ability to go in and to do our work the Yom is the time of Avoda and that was true really until the invention of the electric light Uh, across the board, across the human experience, that Yom, um, 
that Yamama is a time of avoda, and nighttime is a time of not working and of uh, being closed up in your homes and staying in your homes, uh, quarantine almost. Night, that was nighttime that you were stuck up. Nobody went out at night, which is why the story that immediately uh, follows this particular uh, this particular piska, what the Gemara is discussing over here, which is going to be the Gimel Mishmaros of the Laila, the Gemara immediately goes into a discussion of Yossi, who's walking around at night and immediately is confronted with one of the dangerous things that happen at night is that uh, the nighttime is the time for demons and the nighttime is the time for Shadim and, uh, and he finds himself in a Churva, he finds himself in a, uh, in a ruin and uh, he has a, 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 an encounter uh, with the divine encounter of Eliyahu Navi. But the nighttime is also seen as dangerous because there is a chshada uh, that even Rabbi Yossi, by going into the chorva at night, you know, why would somebody be out at night? It can only be for uh, can only be for bad things. It can only be for things that aren't uh, that aren't so kosher in nature. So that's nighttime. And by the way, this isn't just like. Uh, um, this isn't just like an idea that people toss out. Rav Tzadik himself mentions this in one of the uh, Piskot earlier, two, two Piskot mm-hmm. before this in Yudchas. I believe you guys learned them just looking back um, for a second. Right, in Piskot Yudchas, Rav Tzadik says, Kabbalah Solmach Shamayim Ba'arvis. Sorry, um, if you go to Tezayin, he says, Dvar Mitzvah Shosel Mipnei Asafik. When you do a Dvar Mitzvah, when you're in doubt, when you're experiencing trepidation and uncertainty, so Dvar Mitzvah Chalal of Kedusha Hashem Yisbarak Bevadai. So that has an extra added layer of Kedusha when you do it. So what we do at night, the spiritual activity that we do at night, uh, takes on a special degree of Kedusha, a special degree of sanctity, and, uh, and that's... that's commensurate with the effort, that's commensurate with the spiritual exertion that we need in order to serve God properly at night. Um, I, one more prefatory remark, I, I know that for myself, um, certainly the day uh, wasn't too long ago that we're still going into uh, physical places of work, that the daytime was the time of uh, intense activity, and that when you would come home at night, it's almost impossible. I work so hard during the day, how could I peel myself off the couch? Um, but uh, the Gemara tells us that, call me Shalomi the Laila, this is quoted by the Mishnah Brura. Anybody that learns Torah at night, that when a person learns Torah at night, so there's a special degree of chesed, special degree of divine chain, of grace that uh, descends upon that person because they're pushing themselves to go ahead and learn Torah at night. Um, ideally, uh, the schedule of an Oved Hashem uh, does not include, and uh, I'm the first to fail at this, the schedule of an Oved Hashem does not include uh, going to sleep at 2 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, um, even if you're doing, like, even if you're curled up with a book or something, because the nighttime for me is when I find, um, I hate to put it this way, but kind of like a freedom. When everybody else is asleep, when there's no more emails to answer, when there's no more calls to do, and uh, so that, you know, those hours from 11 to, to 1.30 or whatever, until I fall asleep or whatever, so those nights, that's my time. Um, but that's not the real, that's not the real uh, calendar or schedule of the day for a Ben Torah. In yeshiva, ideally. And there still are places that practice this. It's very rare. Uh, but the people go to sleep at 8 o'clock. You know, you finish Ma'ariv, you dive Ma'ariv early. And not uh, by the Zman. And you go right to sleep. The body needs about 6-7 hours of sleep, maybe even more, um, in order to be truly healthy. And, uh, and there's all kinds of studies medically, what it does to your heart, and God forbid to sleep very little. Some people need a lot less, 
But the, you would sleep eight hours, six, seven hours, and then you'd wake up and you'd do tikkun chatzos. You'd wake up in the middle of the night, take advantage of the spiritual avod, the spiritual work during darkness, uh, once you've taken care of everything, and you're already many hours into the day uh, by the time that uh, the daylight breaks and you're davening vasikin. That should have been the schedule of an Oyved Hashem. Um, and there's still places that do that. I believe the Beit El Yeshiva in Yerushalayim still has a schedule like this for its, uh, for its members who are all married and working and people that have jobs. I used to have a friend in the army whose father was a member of the Kolel and Beit El. Uh, that's, the, that's the building, uh, the Yeshiva that has the golden door um, when you come into the, to the Rova. Um, but that was the schedule of people. Uh, however, you know, we already say that in our times that becomes something that's only for Mikubal and Bilvad. How many people nowadays take advantage of the opportunity to be Kamet Chatzos, Kidanti Bereshef, Pashmurus, Alaylas, David to get up in the middle of the night and to already start to serve Hashem? That's not how we use our nights, uh, but it's certainly an auspicious time to, order to be able to do that Avoda. I'll give you guys a quick story before we start the Pisca. It's not a long Pisca. And um, I'm really only going to, I don't want to take, I know it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Erev Pesach. This is like the most. Um, he puzzled at the time to use the Rav Tzadik idea in the very first Torah that, uh, that people talk about for Pesach. Very rushed time. Everybody's going ahead and trying to uh, make sure that they've got everything set, combined with the fact that we're living in uh, such extraordinary times and uh, times of uncertainty, certainly. It seems like a lot of Laila. Um, so I, I, I won't be too long. Um, and also, if, if people feel uh, that I'm rambling, just stop me. Just uh, give me a Hanafas Yadayim and I'll stop. But, uh, but one other thing, a nice, nice story that's told about Rav Kook. I believe it's in Shivche Raya. One of the nice stories that are told about Rav Kook is that Rav Kook, apparently in Valashu, when he was younger, Rav Kook, and I'm sure he continued this later on for the rest of his life, Rav Kook would go ahead and say, Tukhan Chatzis. Uh, he would sit by the mezuzah uh, on the floor, Tzadik and do, and he would cry, he would weep. And apparently the story goes, one of the other Talmidim came to him and said, you know, what are you doing? Um, I can't say Rav Kook's name. He's always Rav Kook. Uh, what are you doing? You know, Rav Kook, why are you crying so? You know, I get to Kinchatzus, but you have to cry so much. Rav Kook says, you don't get it. Rav Kook says, you're not a Kohen. Only a Kohen can understand what's missing uh, by a Beis HaMikdash that's gone. Only a Kohen can understand the pain, the void of what's missing. And therefore, Rav Kook would go ahead and he would have this intense experience of uh, Tikkun Chatzos, um, of, uh, of using the night for the right thing, of having a Muna Balelos, of, of going through the different Mishmaros and, and waiting ultimately for the, uh, for, for the final Geula. Uh, the night, is, as we'll see, Rav Tzadok says, is a time of waiting, primarily. It's a time of Mishmaros, according to the Gemara. Rav Tzadok seems to interpret this as a hamtana, as a kind of uh, a kind of uh, anticipation of something to happen, we anticipate uh, the daylight breaking, and in a spiritual sense, we anticipate the daylight breaking. Um, if I knew Tanakh better, I'd remember the pasuk Keshachar uh, Orcha that the Geula is uh, the Geula is uh, I forgot which Navi already because I'm an Amaretz, but uh, but one of the Neviim uh, ascribes the Geula. He says it's tantamount to Kivaka uh, Shakar Orcha. The pasuk will come to me a little later, but the Geula, the final Geula, is seen as the uh, as the sunlight. Um, as the as the day breaking and the sun rising, um, so that's a little bit about nighttime. And this is Rav Tzadok's uh, isuk. Uh, it's not it's not for naught. The Gemara for the first couple of pages says, as we talked about in the Pesach Yudches, that uh, you know why do we why are we told that Kabbalas Omalch Shamaim by Zman Shkiva. Rav Tzadok says that uh, he highlights the point that we accept the yoke of heaven, bedafka, not when we're waking up and everything is clear, but we're accepting it dafka at the time that we're going to sleep and we're being mafkir ourselves. We're going ahead and we're somewhat go, uh, we're somewhat, we're we're abandoning ourselves. We're putting, making ourselves, we're making ourselves unguarded. 
right? There's a, it's an amazing thing that we even let ourselves sleep, that we let our guard down like that when we're totally vulnerable in sleep. That's the time of uh, real vulnerability. But that's the time of Kabbalah Salmach Shamaim when we're uh, at our most vulnerable. Um, so, so that is, um, that is uh, a few prefatory remarks. I just want to show you guys the edition that I'm using is the Rav Moses edition of the Tzidka Satsadik. Uh, not that I have any sort of uh, a special knowledge in Ritzadik, but he has, uh, he's an Amshinavar Chassid, I believe, and he has this uh, gorgeous two volumes. Uh, I, wrote, um, I wrote on the Sfarim blog a few years ago a review of it, and I also, if you want, uh, I highlighted all the different editions in which uh, there's sections uh, that are deleted or amended or, or lines that are left out. Uh, there's a few different versions of Tzikah and Some of them have undergone uh, more redaction than others. What's nice about this particular volume with Haskamas and everything is that he goes ahead and he quotes all of the, all the sections that are left out. This particular Pisgah, exists in, uh, in pretty much all the editions of Tzitka Satsadik. He writes like this. So we'll read and we'll translate according line by line. Josh, can I ask a quick question before we dive in? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I hope, I'm, so, I hope you guys can hear me okay. I hope that yes. this is... All right, fine. Awesome. Yeah. Um, to your point about like until 100 years ago, until electricity, like night was night and day was day. Yeah. So it's hard for a lot of us to relate to the concept of what night was. And so we've been having this conversation for the last... 15 prakim or so since he's been talking about night of like if he's talking really just about nighttime or if nighttime is more of like a a conscious state that he's referring to or is it i mean i kind of read it as both yeah but when he's talking at night is it when you're in a state of suffolk or is it really when it's when it's night I, I think that it's. I think that you said the answer yourself. It's referring to both of them. Zman shkiva is is literally the time that people go to sleep. Um, I remember when my wife used to be an ER nurse. So the time that you go to sleep is in the morning. But for most people, for normal people, um, the time that you go to sleep is the time of night time. That's referring to to actual physical night. But yet, by the same token, just like everything else in the in the world, so so physical phenomena go ahead and they have a spiritual. They have a spiritual element also. They they do something to our souls, so we're able to go ahead and to translate that into its parallel spiritual phenomena. That when night descends, when night comes down, so that brings with it, that causes effects on us spiritually, psychologically, and that translates into avoda. That's exactly what Rav Sadik means. He says that was why Hakadosh Baruch Hu made Kabbalah Samach Shemaim dependent primarily on Zman Shkiva. That the physical phenomenon goes ahead and teaches us about the spiritual phenomenon. Um, mm-hmm. I saw my uh, Joey. Uh, Joey showed me something really beautiful that somebody wrote. Um, you know, somebody was taking pictures of like uh, I, I don't know, like Marin County in California, just like gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, you know, rolling green hills, vineyards, and blue skies, and whatever. Um, and uh, and they said, you know, that the the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament uh, constantly asks us for praise, right? So God is always asking us for praise. It's a hard thing to access, to have praise, right? Uh, we're suffering. So what do you mean praise? So, so she writes, she says, I take that to mean to describe his creation in all its variegated ways. That the constant description, right? The praise of Hashem is everything that we see around us. Praise of Hashem is, yeah, I created all this. So by describing our natural reality, um, so that's praise of Hashem. We're, we're, especially when it's beautiful and gorgeous and nice. When, uh, you know, when we can be asayin el and we can go ahead and have a roshem, have a spiritual impression of it. That's true too. 
So, so when Sadiq says that night falls, that that's Manshkiva, right? It's not for naught that this was a scary time. It, even, even historically, people would not, they closed the gates of the city and people would not go out to journeys. You're not going to go ahead and uh, turn on your high beams on your horse and buggy, right? You're not going to go ahead and you're going to uh, have the same vision. Um, this is true still nowadays, right? Nighttime is a time of diminished and decreased activity. And we do retreat into our homes and we do retreat. To, that's an experience that we're all understanding right now for the first time in a long time. Um, what it means to, re- to retreat to the home, to, to safety. Uh, what is that? So, so it's both. It's both. It's both the physical uh, nighttime and the physical nighttime, like any other physical thing, indicates to us a spiritual nighttime as well. The dark night of the soul. Uh, St. John of, uh, of the Cross told us the dark night of the soul, right? So nighttime is always uh, going, to, uh, going to be tantamount to a sense of suffolk, of doubt, and of being cast about to the whims of nature. Um, that, that was nighttime. And that's why, you know, there's a... The other way around, when, when someone says, when someone is experiencing doubt, can we say it's nighttime for that person also? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, is the it the dark night of the soul? Dark night of the soul in, in theology is the byword for a person that goes ahead and has a collapse in Amuna, who has a collapse in their ability to see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel or to see the divine light. Right? Mm. It's, um, yes, right? We yes, say, uh, here's another Pasuk. I don't even know where this is from. Hashem, Hashem Tayyarneri Agiya Cheshki. Right? Akash Baruch Hu should illuminate my candle, uh, my light, Kiner, uh, Kiner Mitzvah V'Torah Or. Right? The Torah and Mitzvot are also tantamount to Or. That is, that is the Or light. Um, Rav uh, Harava Nazir talks a little bit about why Rav Kook. Um, or why he chose to name the book Orot, and Rav Kook agreed with it, is because Or, light, is the most dak, it's the, it's the most abstract physical representation, right? It doesn't get more abstract than light, right? How do we quantify the fact that, that there's illumination? Um, right? I know my camera is having a trouble, uh, trouble with it right now. I see that it's going in and out of different lightings. But that's what Cook said. The thing that's most, uh, that's closest to describing spiritual phenomena, positive spiritual phenomena, is light, right? Kinei mitzvah Torah or Torah is light. Torah is, uh, Torah is, is illumination, and and that would it would follow that opposite that darkness, darkness that would be the darkness of Akiva Machashakim Hoshivani Kmetei Olam. Uh, that uh, that we we know the Gemara Bava Vasa tells us that's referring to Talmud Bavli, right? When the Torah starts to become mixed up with Suffolk and mixed up with Machlokas, uh, so all of a sudden it starts to become darkened. It's Bilbul. It starts to become mixed up a little bit. So so these metaphors are potent metaphors. Darkness and light, I think, are the two er metaphors, uh, the two most fun, fundamental metaphors for describing positive forces and negative forces. If Sadak chooses to open up Sitzka Satzadik with an extended riff, as you guys have seen, an extended riff of what darkness is. But, but mm-hmm. the light at the end of the tunnel starts with going ahead and splitting up the night, which is exactly what uh, he does in this Pisgah. Let's start. Pisgah Chav. Ika Mishmaros Berakiyah. So basically himself in the Gemara, in Mesechus Brachos, and Daf Gimelam, and Aleph. So he says that there are Mishmaros in the Rakiyah. The Machlok is whether or not there's three or there's four Mishmaros in the Rakiyah. Now the Gemara seems to be going according to the opinion that there's three Mishmaros, that the night, the nighttime is divided into three watches. Uh, three watches of four Sha'od's Maniot each. Ika Mishmaros Berakiyah, Lidvarim Rakiyim. So just as there are mishmaros, just as there are physical 
uh, watches of the night, that the night is divided into these watches, so they're paralleled by Mishmaros up above, uh, that, that in the divine realm, uh, by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's also Mishmaros, there's also the night too is divided into watches by HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. We're going to define the word watch as well. I'm, I, I'm sure people, uh, right, there's the night's watch, uh, there's, um, there's uh, Mishmarot if you're in the army, so you know that the nighttime is divided into different Mishmarot as well, um, except soldiers will never call it that, you'll say in but but there's a sense of the night being divided into Mishmarot as well. Uh, we're going to... Un- we're going to unpack that in a second, but let's just read first. So, so just as their Mishmaros, the night is divided here on earth, so in the celestial realm, it's uh, divided up into these Mishmaros, into these watches as well. This means that our night is divided up into different categories, into different sections, in order for us to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just as over here in the world that the Mishmaros are divided according to lower level, to more mundane things, and working the ground, or really referring to any sort of physical labor that we do in this world, that's the exact same thing that we see in Shamayim. And in order to go ahead and to utilize our Mishmaros properly, so we pattern them after the Mishmaros and Shamayim. This refers to the idea that everything that exists down on earth has a parallel up above. Uh, last night, I think it was last, last night, was Monday night, uh, so I gave a shir on Tilim, uh, as we do uh, in Lincoln Square every Monday night. Um, so uh, we've been doing it on Zoom now. So I was talking about Kapitol uh, Kufchat so a good example of this idea of the parallel between the celestial and the terrestrial is that Kapitol Kufchaf Beis talks about Yerushalayim HaBenuya Ke'ir Shechubr Le'yachtav, Pasuk Dalit, says that uh, Yerushalayim, the built-up Yerushalayim is like a city that's joined together. So what does it mean joined together? So Rashi talks about the fact that we're comparing the Beis HaMikdash that Shlomo built to the Mishkan in Shiloh, that the Mishkan and the Beis HaMikdash now joined up together. However, Rashi also says, and this is taken by the Radak, this is taken by some other commentators as well, that this is a reference to Yerushalayim Shalmala, that we understand there's a concept of Yerushalayim Shalmata, the terrestrial Yerushalayim, and that there's a parallel world, there's a parallel Yerushalayim Lamala, there's a parallel Yerushalayim in, in, in Akash Baruch Hussam. And that ties in to the Machlokis of how the third base Amikdash is going to come down to us. Is it like the Rambam says that we're going to go ahead and build it ourselves? Or is it like Rashi said, or, or is it like Rashi says it's already built? Mikdash Hashem Kaininu Yadecha, that it's already uh, it's already built up. So this is combined to that idea that there is a base Amikdash that's already built or waiting to be built in potentia on Shamayim. And that is parallel, so it's the it's the Yushalayim above and Yushalayim below. And they're dependent upon one another. So just as there's two, so, so he says that's Yushalayim Habenuya Kiir Shechubur Leyachto. The Chibur that we're talking about, that David Amelch is talking about in Tilim over there, is the Chibur is the connection between Yushalayim Shamal and Yushalayim Shamata. That's a, that's I think what this idea is over here. So these watches exist in Shamayim also. There's such a thing in Shamayim of these Mishmaros as well. And we have to learn from them. Like Rav Sadik says, everything has to be taken into Avoda. We have to learn what we need to be doing at that particular time also. He continues, Simon Ladaver. So what was the Simanim? Mishmar Aleph, Chamer Noer. The first Mishmar is a donkey brain. Hachomer, Dugmas Chamer, he says in the, I don't know if you guys have the brackets in your editions as well. He has the brackets here in this, uh, in this volume. He says, Dugmas Chamer, 
so he says that's um, that, that's that's al Shu Am Hadom Elchamor. So that's a reference to the nation. That's like a chamer. That's a reference to Avram Avinu telling Eliezer and telling Yishmael, Shvulachem poim achamor. I'm going to go up. I'm going to take Yitzchak up to the Akeda. You guys stay here by the chamor. Rashi says over there, Amadomel chamor, a nation that's similar to a chamor. It's not to say in, in a totally denigrating way, but people that are involved or engaged in chomri things, people that are involved and engaged with mundane activities, with physical activities, with physical labor. Rav Tzaduk is going to surprise us over here because. Because already by the end of the Pisca, he's going to pull a move and he's going to say that this Mishmar, this first watch, so that's a, that's a reference, the Chomri is a reference to mitzvos. It's a reference to mitzvos. And mitzvos in Hasidic thought, especially in Ishbit's thought to the extent that I know, mitzvos are not denigrated, but mitzvos are seen as part of the lowest rung. Because mitzvos are maise, mitzvos are action, right? That mitzvos are something that is most artsy. Now, when I do a mitzvah, I could go ahead, I'm shechting an animal the proper way that's a mitzvah, I'm getting my hands dirty, I'm tilling the soil. Mitzvos, mitzvos in practicality, are, 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 are the most chomri, are the most chomordika of, of all of Odas Hashem. So that's the first mishmar. And he says, Gam hu Tzaduk says, the first mishmar is, is to us, that we're, 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 we find ourselves collapsing under the weight of the mitzvahs that we have to do. Of course, we know that in Pirkei Avos we're told that the mitzvahs should not seem to us like a masui. They should not seem to us like a burden. But that's, a, that's how Tzaddik says it could be uh, characterized, the, the weight of the mitzvahs, the obligation of the mitzvahs. Second mishmar, beis, klavim tzakin. So dogs are barking. So again, we're still in the animal kingdom, and dogs are an interesting animal uh, in Torah sources. So you find, you know, if you askinu sudasa v'nei chala that you say at uh, at shalushudas hanich kalbin dechatzifin, right? That the kelev is seen as something that is a chutzuf, that it has a certain type of chutzpah, it has a certain type of brazenness, um, that it takes care of itself. Uh, the dog um, that uh, you know Chazal told us, you know. That uh, the dogs are an animal that uh, one should be very careful bringing into their house. But dogs also symbolize uh, all emotion, right? Kelev. Um, so I heard from one of my Rosh Yeshiva once, Zosius Kaf, Lamed Beis. So we know there's a great Sadik in the Torah, Kalev ben Yifune. And Kalev is Ish Kilevavo. The dog tells you what they are. A dog doesn't lie to you. A dog doesn't go ahead and, uh, and, and, and give, you, um, um, give you a false sense of what they are, they don't. Uh, they don't pretend to be something they're not. They're kula leiv. They're all heart. They're all. Uh, they're all emotion. So that's kelev. So we say over here, Bez is kalbin sok in the second mishmar of the night. So the dogs are barking. Right, that they are barking like a dog. So that's a reference. Again, we see over here positive reference to dogs. That's referring to tefillah. We should bark like a dog. And Chazal have denigrating words that sometimes people ask a Baruch for things. And it's like, have, have. Right? Give, give. Give me a Baruch Give me more. Right? But that's like a dog also. There's a brazenness. He says, Dogs are very brazen. And we know that if we go ahead and we have a chutzpah, if we allow ourselves to be a little bit of an the kedusha, a little bit of a holy brazenness, so we could go ahead and we could address God in a way that uh, that that is uh, that that we would say ordinarily is inappropriate, and that could uh, drive our tefillah to a higher realm. So that's the second mishmar. Second mishmar. So first mishmar, the chamor is, and you have to follow the the patterns over here. The uh, the first mishmar is the chamor. 
the braying donkey uh, is, is symbol, symbolizes mitzvos, the avot of mitzvos, ma'aseh. The second is the kalba, the kelev that's barking. Uh, the dog that's, uh, one might say, I, I, I always thought that this wasn't necessarily dogs barking because like, what does that have to do with night? I was thinking more like, uh, do you know, anybody, anybody want to guess what, I, what I'm really thinking of with this? Imagine a dog in the times of Chazal. A wolf howling. A wolf howling at the moon, right? That's, that's how I always imagine this. Uh, and dogs do too, right? They're closely related. So that's a far more nighttime metaphor, far more apt, right? The wolf that's howling at the moon, that's uh, almost... We have jackals here in Beit Shemesh. Uh, tanim. Tanim, I, I remember t- uh, uh, quick parentheses. So I used to um, I used to cheat in the army a little bit. I don't know if anybody here is in the army. I just feel like I'm talking to people in Israel. I might as well. Um, but uh, but uh, I remember uh, any of you guys? Anybody here? Yeah. Okay. So maybe you'll know what a mignan is. Uh, we used to go ahead and sleep in shetach, and they would build these like uh, right. They'd have uh, they'd have these. Talim. I don't know the English words for these things. They'd have these like mounds to protect us around where we would sleep in these camps. So I would cheat. I would like uh, I'd have my parents send me cliff bars and send me like all kinds of like extra stuff. So I would never be hungry. I was always afraid of being hungry in the army, except for like Shabuam el Hamad, then you're always hungry. Anyway, I remember we, we go out to Shetach. I have like I have like in my in my vest, I'd like packed in the back. Um, this was still in like uh, the beginning of the movement Kadem. So I packed a whole bunch of cliff bars. And, uh, and I w- we wake up in the morning and I'm like, where's my stuff? And I see uh, like a trail of, of, uh, of my knapsack and pieces of my food leading over the Mignan. And, um, and like I asked if anybody, a Mishmar saw it, nobody saw, but of course there were Tanim everywhere. And they totally tore up uh, my vest to get to the, uh, I guess they had a good meal of cliff bars. So that's, uh, that's what I think of coyotes. So when we think of dogs, very embarrassing. I, I, stopped, I stopped bringing cliff bars after that to Shetach. <laughs> but um, because a dog ate all of it. Um, but yes, so, so if you want to think more, right, if a dog barking at night is a metaphor that's difficult for you to understand over here, uh, or difficult for me to map onto what Sadiq is talking about, certainly the wolf howling at the moon or the tani making the noise at night, that there's a, uh, there's, it's almost mournful, it's plaintive, it, it, it does actually approximate what we would think uh, tefillah looks like, obviously in Mitzrayim too. I'm just checking my time. Okay, not too much so far. Um, I'm taking um, in Mitzrayim too. Vatal shavasim el Hashem, right? That they cried out to Hashem. That's what got Hashem's attention. That their shava, they didn't. Even, it was wordless scream that got up to a Baruch Hu that uh, that allowed for the Jewish people to experience um, uh, an awakening, some kind of tefillah, the tzaka that allowed a Baruch Hu to listen to us. One last thing before we move on. And my first trip to uh, to Kever Yosef in Shechem when it was still destroyed. So there's a big hole in the kippah in Kever Yosef and uh, in Breslov, you know, so the rest of Hasidim were the dominant group there. And in the middle, everybody's diving and saying to him and some person just starts screaming. You've probably seen this like Ushbiz and ah, like that. And a and, and hundred people in the middle of Shechem, in the middle of the night, uh, probably by the second Mishmar, all just screaming, like Kalbin the Chatzifin, the Chutzpah, just screaming up to Hashem through the broken kippah and Kever Yosef. That's exactly, that's bull the metaphor that Rav Tzaddik is talking about over here. So he says, We talk about Mesechus Tanis. You have to remember, everything that Rav Tzaddik does, the genius of this, uh, and, and the difficulty of learning a safe like this, you got to know the Gemaras. You have to, uh, the experience of learning, I'm saying this to myself, the experience of learning Tzidka Satzadik is infinitely enriched 
infinitely enriched by going ahead and being very, very clear on the rabbinic sources that Ratzadik is quoting, because what he's doing is spiritualizing Talmud, uh, the Talmud Torah in a, in a, in a, in a Litvish sense, learning Gemaras and combining ideas and building upon each other. He's spiritualizing, he's bringing it to a higher realm. And that's what he's doing over here with this Gemara. So he says, Kamashkos Betanis, that klavim uh, is is the chutzpah betfila is mahanya like a chonia magel. Kamasha kasev in mesecha shabbos leis ta anya mikalba ani bedas veinu ala tefila. There's no animal that's more bereft of added things. Ani bedas uh, over here. I don't I don't think it means dogs are stupid by any means. It means the dogs are are what you see is what you get. The very open. And uh, an exposed nature of what's going on in the inner world, and that, and and for a person, it's anibadas for us that we should approach tefillah, saying, "What do we know? What can we do? We know nothing. Uh, everything uh, We're just looking at you, Hashem, for some sort of an answer. So we turn to tefillah also. Um, I have to be honest with you guys. Uh, I'm not great at marav, right? Um, you know, in school when we do have marav, it's very easy. But throughout the year, you know, so I, I, I do try and make it sometimes to daven. And it, it does happen that I daven alone, Marv, and it is not with a Brent. It is, it is just checking off a box uh, all the time. I got to, I, I, since I've been home, since I've been home, uh, you know, in this uh, social distancing, whatever, and you're getting these names and you're seeing pictures of fathers with kids, you know, young people also, you're seeing people who need to feel this. All of a sudden I'm davening Marv again, and except it's at home. And and it's really like a feeling of what Tzadik is describing over here that when you're anibadas, I have no idea how to help these people. I really don't. I, I have no. You could give tzedakah. I could do. I have no idea to help these people. Helpless, helpless. See, so just daven. It's it's just an amazing etza. And I'm not like a big davener. I I'd much rather be doing something where I could feel much more tangible. Learning Torah is more how I connect because it's far more tangible. I could write it up. I could get covered from it and whatever. But tefila is such a hard thing to access. Uh, since the last two, three, three and a half weeks, uh, not being in shul and not being, not worrying about, you know, when I dive in shul, I'm always worried about uh, other things. Am I going too long? Am I going too fast? What, are people looking? Davening alone, all of a sudden, I'm davening Marav again. It's a crazy thing, right? So, Einlo Ani Bedas, somebody that has nothing else to do, Einlo Alatfila, Kamash Kosev, Bishmais Raba, as we say in Shmais Raba, Amar, Amar Le, Ein Anu Yodin Vechule, right? That this is a reference over here. Ein anu yodin means that this is talking about dvarim. So, ah, Hakadosh Baruch Hu said. He says here in the commentary, Aniim anu. Shmos Rabba Yisrael say to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I'm reading here from the commentary of Rabbi Mosesin. Yisrael say to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Aniim anu. We're paupers. We're impoverished. Vein lanu lahavi karbanos. We have no karbanos to bring. We can't bring karbanos. So Amr lema Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to the Jewish people, Dvarim ani mevakesh michem. I don't ask you for karbanos. I ask you for tefillah. Right, if you don't have avoda anymore, so easy avoda shevalev zutvila. So daven to me instead. That will be like karbanos. He says vein dvarim eladivrei Torah, and it's words of tefila and Torah. Omrin la Yisrael ain't on a yotim, but we don't know Torah. Omrin la makash baruch la kashba says baruch v'ispal lufane vechule. First the kashba says learn my Torah. They say we can't. We don't know what to. We can't learn Torah. Right, we're on ibadas. We're simple people. Kashba says baruch v'ispal lufane. What a beautiful medrash. Shmos Rabba cried to me. And I'll answer you, I ain't sham. So we see that tefillah is really for a person, even if you don't know how to pray, you could still pray. If you don't know how to learn Torah, it's hard to learn Torah. If you don't know how to uh, serve Hashem sometimes, so just tefillah, just going ahead and, and the wordless prayer is efficacious, it works. So that's the second mishmar. The second mishmar is avoda and it's tefillah. 
Third Mishmar, Gimel. And Gimel, all of a sudden, we start to turn to the night as a time of intimacy. The night is a time um, when, there's, when there's not that much activity, and it's a slowing down, and a lot of the noise starts to go away. And the night is a time for intimacy. And the night says over here, it describes two different types of intimacy. It describes a parental intimacy and it describes a marital intimacy. And both of them are tantamount to our intimacy, the dveikas that we have with the Kosh The third Mishmar, the Mishmar that signals the advent of the dawn, the Mishmar that signals the end of the nighttime, and the Galus is comparable to a nighttime. So that Mishmar, so the third Mishmar, Gimel Tinak Yonik, so a child goes ahead, now somebody here just had two twins, right? So you'll know all too well uh, that, that late shift, you know, that uh, the one shift, you know, it seems like I timed things right. I could do the bottle feeding maybe at 10, put the baby, the infant to sleep, and they could go ahead and they'll have maybe I'll get five, six hours. It's never like that. There's always that one shift in the middle of the night, right at the three, four o'clock shift where you're going ahead and your mom is an autopilot. It's a, it's a nace that parents are able to carry this thing out, that you're holding the baby and you're, you're basically hallucinating out of sleep deprivation. And uh, the tinok is yonik, um, that's the time that the tinok goes ahead and gets its sustenance from its mother. And that is a reference to Torah. Dvash v'chalav tachas l'shoni. Torah is tantamount, is, is, compa- is compared to many different mashkim, uh, many different uh, liquids. One of the liquids, uh, the, the primary liquid, uh, is water, Eimayim el Torah. Then there's Chalav, Dvash Chalav Tachos Lashoni, as we say in Shir Hashirim. The Torah is sustaining, Torah is sweet, Shavuos. That's uh, why we have uh, one of the reasons for the Minag of having Chalav is to talk about how we sustain ourselves with Torah. And then there's uh, also uh, there's uh, Dvash, also, which is a kind of liquid, a kind of mashke as well, and the sweetness, the honey of Torah. There's other liquids that we talk about. There's Dam, Yad Shachat Dam, um, that's Yayin uh, Dvash. Shachat, Shemen, uh, Chalav, I forgot the rest of them. Uh, Yad Shachatam, the seven different mashkim, the Makablun Tumah. So water is, uh, water is the primary metaphor, but so is Chalav, it's Chesed. It comes from uh, our mother, it comes from, it comes from the Shechina, gives this down to us. So the intimacy of the third Mishmar is the child that wakes up to, uh, to, to nourish, for nourishment from its mother. Hainu Torah. Tzadok says it's a reference to Torah. Kamash Kosov. Kamash Kosov. Kamash Kosov. Perak Arvi Psachim. Ah, it says we talked about in Perak Arvi Psachim. And Kuf Yud Beis and Aleph. So what a beautiful thing that we're learning this on Erev Pesach. Right? So it's, there's no, uh, no coincidences. Kamash Kosov. Arvi Psachim. We say more than the uh, more than the than than the calf desires to to nourish itself to nurse. So the mother desires to go ahead and to sustain the calf and to give it its uh, sustenance. The same thing with Torah. More than we desire to learn Torah, Kadosh desires to to give us shefa, to give us Torah, to sustain us with Torah. So Torah is nimshal lechalav. Torah is compared is compared or comparable to milk. Ve'isha v'chulei, so Tzadok references the second metaphor, and he says, v'chulei, etc., isha misaperes in ba'ala. It's a time for, for the whispered sweet nothings between a husband and wife. Uh, of course, we find that uh, in other places in Shas, and I'm looking at the footnotes over here, misaperes is a reference to marital intimacy, to the closest physical intimacy that two people can feel. So that's isha misaperes in ba'ala, the intimate conversations between a woman and her husband, and that's also intimate conversations between us and Shechina. And this could also be a reference to Kidanti Bashmoras to singing the praises of Hashem at this time also. We know uh, earlier on in Dafbez, Mesachas Brachas, the David Amalek would wake up in the middle of the, light, the night after, um, after a sleep of sh- a shishid, nishma, 
uh, horse breasts. So he would wake up and he would uh, have this intimate moment with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as his heart played. So that's this time at night, this time of deep, deep intimacy, deep, deep into the night time. When nobody else is awake, nobody else is, is around. Um, uh, I, I see that I'm so far doing okay on time. I'm still okay on time, right? Um, I, I'll, I'll say uh, one of the strangest things for me uh, of this whole experience, especially in the city. I love living in the city uh, very much. I love how exciting it is. I love how um, I do feel it's exciting. I love the different types of people. I love that there's, it really never sleeps, um, that there's always something going on. Um, I love that you could walk around anywhere and it's, uh, and there's, there's life, there's humanity. The last two weeks or so, it's been empty, empty in the city. And it's, um, it's like a dreadful feeling almost. Um, I also am a subscriber to off-peak philosophy. Um, I love I love the notion. There's a there's an idea in modern society to live off peak, right? To go ahead and to if you can to go ahead and take advantage of the times when everybody else is doing something else and to use those times. So 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 this is prime off peak. I could walk around and I could walk down Broadway and there's not a car for 15 minutes. Or I could go ahead deep deep at night and unfortunately it's filled with such danger. It's filled with such uh, fear. Um, but this off peak lifestyle, right? This time when nobody else is around, there is a kind of intimacy that a person experiences even by themselves, even by their lonesome. Um, but that is a Yotzi Bichidi Balayla. It's also time of, of great danger as well. So that's the third thing. So he says, Rak Tzadok extends the metaphor and Gedol Yisrael that are nursing off of the milk, off of the Devash and Chalav of Torah. And he says these three things. Now Tzadok ties it all together. And this is how he finishes. And I'll say one concluding remark. So Tzadok says, why? Why is the Gemara, right? You have to ask yourself, why did Rebbe Lezer so going back to the Gemara, why did Rebbe Lezer, what were we talking about? Why are we even talking about the Mishmaras of the nighttime? There seems to be this pass in the Rakia, this line in the Rakia that the moon is passing through and it's, it's divided into Mishmaras. Why would Rebbe Lezer make the time of Kriyashma dependent that Sofa Shmura Rishona? Why not just tell us the time? How many shows Manios into the night? Why make it Taloy on this? What do I care? Right? What do I care if, it, if I hold that it's three Mishmaros? So tell me which hour it is. If I hold that it's four Mishmaros, fine, I'll understand which hour it is. Why is the Ruliezer making it dependent upon these Mishmaros? Why, why go ahead and, and make our Kabbalah Somal Shamayim dependent upon this? Um, and, and why would we need to know this? So the Gemara has an interesting thing. The Gemara says that it's for a person who's stuck in their house. For a person who goes ahead, the Gemara continues right after it says when a person is inside and they're not able to determine uh, the actual direct time of night, they're not able to look up at the sky. They're, they're quarantined. They're isolated. Uh, they're not able to. So a person is other simanim. There's other natural phenomena. The donkey braying, dog barking, the time of uh, the intimate conversations or the baby waking up to nurse, that a person could go ahead and can make their Kriyashma dependent on that, even if they weren't able to go ahead and judge by the way that the moon traverses the night sky or if there's no moon at all, if it's the darkest of nights. So we're about to go ahead and to, uh, to celebrate Pesach on the night, the Yizkaima Sahara B'miliyusa, that the moon is at its fullest. You go outside now, you go outside tonight, and you'll see that it's quite bright outside. But when a person is not able to determine, so why go ahead and do that? So he says, Rashi says, I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, and read. Uh, I don't know if I could share my screen. Can I share my screen with you guys? Yeah, I'll share with you guys Rashi, and then we'll basically wrap up. Just two more minutes or so. Rashi over here tells us, um, here it is, Vahakamashmalan, this Rashi over here. Right, so Rashi over here, 
I'll just uh, annotate so you can see which one I'm talking about. I've gotten really good at, uh, at giving Zoom classes. Um, well, if I could say so myself. Uh, so he says, Why did I go ahead? Why did Rabbi Yezir give us this simon of the Gimel Mishmaros to make our Kriya Shema a night dependent on this? Why not just tell us directly what it is? to teach us So he says, and this is a beautiful way of going to say that there's a heker, that there's a recognition for every person down below, something that we're able to go ahead, a natural phenomena if we're attuned to the world that we're able to make it dependent on. And that immediately turns us to recognize that there's Ika Mishmaris also, which is how Tzadok started off, that what I'm experiencing, the night this night being divided up, this waiting period of the night, the mishmaros, that that is something that goes ahead and I recognize that Shamayim is going through the exact same thing as well. It's an immediate linking between what's going on here and the mishmaros of the Rekia as well, that my avoda is, is recognized, that's seen in Shamayim as well. I'll go one further. Uh, the word mishmaros, so the word mishmaros, modern Hebrew has connotations as well, which we've touched upon, but it doesn't just mean a guarding, right? Mishmaros also means a waiting, a hamtana, right? We say, Va'aviv shomer hadavar, that, uh, that his father was shomer, the matter shomer means that he guarded it, but he also, he maintained, he, he, he waited for a proper time. Also, we said uh, in the Gemara that appears right afterwards, Rav Yossi goes out at night, Eliyahu shomer lo hapesach, Eliyahu didn't just guard the, the entrance to the Chorva where he was davening, but he waited for him until he came out. So this Hamtana, so this Hamtana is, is not just tantamount to Shmira, it's not just tantamount to watching, it's not just tantamount to guarding, but it's, tant, but it's something that indicates a, a degree of waiting, a degree of, um, of anticipation, of waiting for the dawn. So if Tzaddik finishes here, and we'll conclude as well, Tzaddik says these three Mishmaros, so what are we... What are we relating them to? What do we think about when the night is divided into these mishmaros? What should a person recognize when he's using that to make his own kriyashma dependent on it? He says like this, it's the three things that the world stands upon. The three things the world stands upon are Torah, Avoda, and Gemilas Chasadim. And those are tantamount to Torah, Tfila, and Karbanos. And uh, Avoda is, is Karbanos, Gemilas Chasadim is the final one. That's Maaseh. That's what we do. Shehim Neged, and again an idea that's uh, found throughout Sifrei Chasidus. Machshava, the three modes in which we experience the world. Machshava, Dibur, Amase. Machshava, what's appearing in our thoughts. Dibur, what we speak, how our thoughts are manifested in speech, which is still rarefied and spiritual. And then there's Masa, then there's actions. So the Machshava, following this, the Machshava is the final Mishmar. Right? So the Machshava is the Isha... Uh, is the Isha Mesaperis in Bala, is the Tinak Binyonik, it's the Machshav of Torah, right? It's the nighttime, is the time, like a Shabbos, where we, where we take all the Torah that we learned during the day, we dream maybe, and, and our dreams go ahead and, and have this function of compounding what we have during the day, of allowing us to ruminate over uh, like a cow chewing its cud. Uh, a ruminant, as we call it. So we ruminate, we think over what happened during the day sometimes. If you're like me the last couple of weeks, uh, everything that's happened during the day, and you say, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, you know, I'm doing all right. And then you go to sleep and you start to ruminate about it. I had a dream last night, a nightmare that I couldn't breathe. 
I was reading this New Yorker article about uh, describing how the virus functions and describing how, how it works, that the virus basically the way that it replicates. And all the virus wants to do is replicate and find another host, but the way it does so is it creates this, it, it, it manifests in phlegm and coughing and all these disgusting things. And, and, and as I was dreaming, of course, I read that and scared myself and, and I had a dream and I woke up gasping and I said to myself, uh, what a nightmare, right? That's what it feels like to be drowning like that. Um, so that's uh, to ruminate. That's what we do at night. And that's Torah. To think about our Torah. To have dreams of Torah. The Razin, the great secrets revealed to Tzadikim at night when they would learn Torah in this way. The Chut Shechesed, that Hashem says, okay, I saw, I saw, I saw your, your Pu'ula, I saw you working in the Zmana Pu'ula during the day. Now I'm going to give you the Chut Shechesed. Now I'm going to give you the deep insights into what I want to reveal to you from your Torah. <sighs> so the second one is Dibor. So that's the third Ashmura. Dibor is speech, so that's tefillah, that's the, the kelev, the dog that's talking. And then there's masa, the first mishmar, the first mishmar is the most chomri, that's the chamor. You could sit, right? That's the chamor, that's the donkey braying, and that's the most uh, physical. And Rav Tzadok says that the, uh, Rav Tzadok says, Rav Moses says over here, it's an idea of Rav Tzadok that the tachlis of mitzvahs is gemilas chasadim. So all the mitzvahs are subsumed under the category of gemilas chasadim, of, of doing kindness with other people. Kamash kasem vakam acher. however, in the nighttime, be'esach So of course it's dark, Ariel. So what's he adding? The ribusa here is the choshech is a spiritual, a metaphysical darkness. Shabalayla be'esach choshech he'mafuchin. They're different than they usually should be. What he explains over here is that ordinarily we understand that there's a Seder Advarim. First we have a thought. The thought is expressed in words. We talk it out. And then there's a Masa. And then we do something about it. In the nighttime, it's the opposite of the day. That we start with Masa. We start with, we're still close to the actions, the Pu'ula of the daytime. We're still close to the action of the daytime and the work of the daytime. And that's the gemilas chasadim. Uh, even something as simple as tucking in other people to sleep, tucking in your kids to sleep like an act of chesed that starts off the night. Um, and then there's tefillah. You start to talk a little bit. Right? You start to go ahead and have those conversations with yourself. And that's referring to tefillah. Um, and then the third mishmar. So the order is hafuch. It's masa dibur machshava. When ordinarily it's machshava dibur masa. So this parallel image of day and night, so that we say if we conduct ourselves in the amashmuros, in the mishmaros of the night, so, uh, so then we go ahead and we're able to have a proper day uh, that begins with the nighttime. It all starts with the nighttime. And just to tie this all into Pesach, so we recognize Man Kriyashma, we know that, uh, that the first night of Pesach, that Sabalein Litova of Tashim Pei, is Alel Shimurimhu. It's the night that's Kula Mishmaros. It's a night that, uh, that doesn't function, I don't think, necessarily, if I could go ahead and say, I don't know if this is true, doesn't function the ordinary division of, of nighttime. It's Laila Kiyom Ya'ir. So we could start with Torah. We could start with Magid. We could make our way all the way through. We could, we could, we could, and we could end with Nirza in the middle of the night. We could end with the Dibur part. So, so the Seder itself, I would, I would want to say, follows the pattern of things as Rav Tzadik is talking about during the day. That it starts yeah, yeah. with Torah, Tefillah, 
and then Masim, then what happens after that. So, so that's a, that should be the same there, and we should find a, a time that's Kula or that we should finish with the mm-hmm. darkness of Gullus, and we should see, we've been on the Mishmar, we've been Shomrim Avkiliyicha, Kolayom Vekolalayla, we've been waiting for a very long time. We've been going through many, many um, uh, Ashmoras, uh, we've been going through many, uh, many Mishmarim, and uh, we should find that this is the final waiting, Valetzion uh, Goel, Shavi Peshavi Yaakov, and that uh, mm-hmm. we should go ahead and we should experience a, a true Pesach, Pesach with, uh, with the full uh, extent of Laila Kiyom Yair, of, uh, of the okay. night being illuminated like day. Thanks for okay. learning with me, guys. Okay. Appreciate it. Wow. Wow.